out to be completely unreliable assholes. <laughs> hello, Tim Aslin. Uh, hello, Ryan McDuffie. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Dismembering Horror, episode 165 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, the name you just heard, Ryan McDuffie, and the other name you just heard. Oh, myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We dismember a horror film for you every week. And we do, well, what does dismembering even mean, Tim? Everyone listening, if this is your first time or if this is a long time, maybe you can say it better than I can. Ah, well, you know, if a film is of a human body, (laughs) you know, and and, uh, like the arm is the first act and the leg is a thing we liked and the head is a thing we didn't like. We kind of just chop all those parts off throughout the show. You know what I'm saying? We dismember it. We dismember the body, (laughs) the body that is the movie. So you mean we talk about (laughs) what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy? That's right. About a horror film. Yeah. And by that, you also mean that we're doing it all in the spirit of friends getting together and just trying to gleam all that can be gleamed, whether it be in a filmmaking sense or a thematic meaning mining life sense out of horror films. Yeah. Emphasis on spirit. No, spirit. <laughs> as, as in ghostly spirits. That's right. Ooh, cool. And as we, uh, well, we, you will, if you're listening to this live, you'll find this in October, 2021. And this marks our episode three out of our series of threes that we're doing for this month. (laughs) So to celebrate Halloween, the Halloween season, the spooky season, we thought it'd be fun to dismember, well, to touch on as we're doing the big franchises and along the way focus on the threes, the third entries in each franchise. And so today's film, Halloween Kills, uh, which we're going a little out of order if you tuned in to our first episode on Friday the 13th, but we changed it anyway. Uh, <laughs> Halloween Kills, it's, it's technically the third entry in the new, what is called, I guess, the Halloween 40 canon. I've seen it called that. Um Right. But it is the second one in the new three films that are coming out. So maybe if we plan this a little better, (laughs) we would have been doing this next year. But it's still technically true in a certain regard. Halloween Kills, the third film in a chronology. Let me just, let's, let's for for clarity's sake, let's just get this clear. (laughs) (laughs) There have been 13, count them, 13 Halloween movies in total. 11 of those 13 movies are uh, somehow connected to the original. But one of those 11 doesn't have Michael Myers in it. That's the one we're going to do next week. 
Yes. And so we're actually doing, yes. So next week we're doing the other Halloween three. <laughs> so if, if Rob Zombie were to make a third installment of his two, we could add that to the list of threes. But technically, this movie we did, Halloween Kills, is really a two. It's really a two. Yeah. Which is funny if he did, if Rob Zombie did make a third one, we could essentially make this all about the third Halloween films versus just the third films in the major right. franchises. There'd Jesus. be enough. No kidding. Anyways, yeah, no, but it's fun. We're saving these last two, which are the Halloween in title films for the end of the month because we are now closer to Halloween than ever. Great, great, great. So, Tim, I'm so excited to get into this character and this film. Where did you end up seeing it? Uh, I saw it at the Glendale, um, the Americana app brand. <laughs> great. They're back it's in a, action. What is that? I think it's an AMC. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right. Well, I mean, there's so much I want to say, but I think in order to do that, we got to start how we always do with the trailer. So are you ready for that? Sure. All right. Here we go. The trailer from the delayed film now seeing its release in 2021 sequel to halloween threequel to halloween and halloween <laughs> here is halloween kills grandmother was right the boogeyman was real it's over we can't hurt anyone ever again no one told you told me what somebody in there michael myers is alive <laughs> all right well, as always, I'm so glad I didn't watch the trailer. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a given these days, whatever. Yeah. Um, all right, Tim. All right, everyone listening. What's <laughs> next here? We rate it after the trailer. Per our rating system, would Tim and I, talking to ourselves, tell ourselves to avoid this film, stream this film, rent this film, the spirit of these franchises often go, tell us to buy it in a box set, or would we straight up tell us to buy it? Tim, who do you want to go first? You. All right. <laughs> Tim, this is a uh, this is a hands down buy it for me. I was floored by how good this movie was. I at least to me. Um I'm trying to make heads or tails of, I didn't really read any in-depth uh, middling reviews, but like some of the the like top bad reviews for it were just the sort of same old you see for every horror movie of like, doesn't do a lot of new with the franchise, which 
I was making that clamp claim that complaint about that complaint with the Friday the Thirteenth movies mm. being be more like in a what do you expect way, right. but for this one, it just really feels like I was just watching a completely different movie. Like, God, I mean, how do I just put like just the short of it in summary? I guess is I was just amazed how they took what Michael Myers is and represents and contextualize him in our modern world yep. and transcended the slasher genre even, but yep. like stayed true to being horrifying and the roots of it all. Like I, I could not believe this movie. This is more than a box set buy for me. It's a buy it. I'm like, I'm like just nervous, excited with how, how good this was. And that a lot of it could be too the middle movies and trilogies. I don't know, you know, a lot of times my favorites, this is the places they go. But anyway, I I will go on and on in our what worked section. But uh, there you go. There's the short of it. Yeah, I'm the same for the most part. Like, I don't think it's it's a film without things to criticize. Um, But like. I had an exceptionally fun time watching it. I was extremely excited by exactly what you're talking about, taking the essence of what any of these movies have kind of been built on and expanding that out into the broader metaphor in our like current state of affairs in the U S in particular. And I was like, Oh, like, actual subtext and you know socio political like context and like reference and like (laughs) illusion or whatever like so that that was exciting to me um what else um i was in the theater loud you know what i mean like there are so many moments that i was like outwardly like holy shit so for me, that's, you know, that's a big deal. Like I, it's kind of what I, it's, it's, it's the response that I want to want evoked when I go to this type of movie. So right. You're saying, like, you, I mean, what more, I don't know what I've seen so much. Cause now I'm like, I'm really trying to scroll through Twitter and kind of engage there. And it is, it is a remarkable I don't even know how to describe the way people are responding to this. I think it's partially just what people do on Twitter and just say, nah, this sucked. But like people do not, there's a lot of dislike of this movie on Twitter. And I'm pretty surprised to be honest, because it's, yes, it has things that I can see people not liking fine, but it's, it's like ridiculously fun front to back horror. I don't, it's and, like, what do you want? Right. I mean, and I'll say too, this another thing, you know, we'll get to more of, but just overall, like doing everything you want from a sequel, I thought of like expanding on this sort of story and the night and the characters and just this initial all stemming out from this initial 1978 event, like, yeah, it just checks those boxes too. But and you're right, when it comes down to it, it's a Halloween movie. I was sitting there and all like the stabs and and gore moments just made me cringe in like the way that you <laughs> want and expect with these films. So, yeah, cross I, I the board, just am man. like what are 
this is why I think it, I'm I'm tempted to say that the vast majority of the people who are like this sucked meh are are quite literally just doing that to get people to react to that reaction. I wonder uh cuz none of we, them say why. Hmm. Well, it's I mean uh, yeah, well that's where you go for letterboxed, I guess. You got to go beyond Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, see. no kidding. Any other more just like built-in review um, websites? I don't know. I I know it's near and dear for both of us. Like the any film that gets into an angry mob situation, <laughs> yeah. And to have that done, like I just wonder if like did people not. Are, are the people who this is just making such leaps and bounds, but people who hated it, are they the angry mob? Do they not get it? Like the angry mob moments? Like, I just, I just don't see how you, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I could speculate that, uh, <laughs> how do I put this delicately or why would I even bother putting it delicately? I would suspect that there's, Certain people who, like, for example, my girlfriend, like, during some of the, like, as the kind of context of the mob mentality started to grow throughout the movie and you started to go, oh, this feels familiar, you know, and and relating it back to things like the insurrection on January 6th and, like, that kind of feeling, I'm sure, she was like, I'm triggered <laughs> in a joking way, but she's like, this is, this is what that is, right? It's that same feeling. And I bet there's a lot of people out there who really don't want that type of thing in their in quote unquote their horror movies because you see that a lot. They're like, ah, oh, why is everything politicized? It's like, well, everything is politicized because we live in the world, right? Like everything has to do with everything that's going on around us, one way or the other. So it it's kind of a silly argument to be like. Like you see this a lot in comic book um, conversation right now. People being like, oh, now comic books are are like failing because they're all becoming politicized. It's like just a reminder to everybody. Comic books are built on politic- politicization, if that's a word. Well, you know? it's, like so it's what- just crazy to me that people. Yeah, I think people get wound up very easily in our current world. And maybe that's always been true, but you have access to other people getting wound up and you can start having this like echo chamber conversation on Twitter or wherever. And that leads to just people being like, you're ruining, you're ruining my thing. I'm I'm just trying to want to phrase it in a way that's like, you don't have to use the word politics. You could say it's a mirror of like these films act as a mirror of our humanity. Exactly. Like that's like, and of course politics are going to be wrapped up in that. <laughs> you that's know? right. I mean, and that's sort of what I mean when I say it's like, dude, w- like welcome to planet earth. I, you know, like it's not, <laughs> everything is politicized because we live in the world. It's not like, it's not like somebody sitting there going like Mr. Burns, like tapping their fingers together going, mm, how can I get under the skin of the, like the MAGA crowd it's like that's not like maybe that's the intention sometimes but like take a chill pill everybody it's a horror film it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to get under your skin it's supposed to evoke some stuff 
I know. I think I always try to like, I don't actually know, but when I see like, like a tarot card Instagram or something that uses the term, like looking at your shadow self. And I'm like, what exactly, you know, like, I think I get that. I haven't heard someone who's in that world explain it, but like just from knowing movies and writing and stories, like, I think I get what that is. And I just think that's what this movie just dives head first into. And apparently the next one will even more of like, it's, it's like what they talk about, you know, which I don't, you know, in the film itself of the evil within us. And, yeah. you know, it's not Michael Myers who's the, it's it's our fear of him itself. Like, uh, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. It's just all, it's all great. I'm all excited. This is... <laughs> Agreed. Well, let's, let's keep up the great excitement then. Oh, we can't jump right into what worked because, Tim, we got to talk about what even happened in this film. Let's just give us some context. Okay. What what was Halloween Kills? I think it it's it's three things. I think this is why a lot of people are upset is because it's there are three different main components to this movie that are all uh, coalescing. Is that the right word? Coalescing? Yeah, yeah. That's to 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 sort of the broader picture. So number one, we have flashback context of the night that Laurie Strode survived Michael Myers. And so we just get a bigger context of the town, the state of Haddonfield on that night and sort of other people that that night impacted. And that's kind of sprinkled throughout. So it's cool. It's like you get to meet um, Hawkins, the cop as a young cop and how that like night affected him you get to meet a couple of the little kids um one of which is the dad of um what's uh what's uh what's her name um andy madichak's character yeah allison oh right allison allison's not so cool boyfriend's dad had a run-in with michael on that night back in the day 40 years earlier um Tommy and Lindsay <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> I think is is right. We yeah. get to meet them as adults, right? And yep. and like we Tommy remember Wallace, them from the Lindsay first one. Wallace. They were the the kids that Lori was babysitting. So you get this kind of bridge of context in flashbacks from other people's perspectives on the original night that Michael uh, went on a, a his uh, little spree. So that's really cool, and that comes back around. Number two is the effect of the actual present-day last night, Halloween night of the 2018 movie, and how that's affecting the Strodes. You know, everybody's in dire straits. Lori is gutted. Uh, they got to go Literally to the Literally and figuratively, yeah. Right? Um, and everybody's like, damn, he's still out there. We got to go. We got to get him. And three is the con- the current effect that that night is having on Michael when we find out that he survived the house being burnt down. He goes on another rampage. And that evokes this sort of bigger context of the town getting together to be like, we're not going to let this happen again. So the trauma of the original night is revivified 
40 years later by the other town members that were alive back then and the current town members that never experienced that. You know, they're have they're experiencing it for the first time. So all of that's coming together to create this sort of almost crazed set of circumstances for the quote unquote good guys, the towns, the townsfolk. And it just turns into total chaos. Meanwhile, Michael's just <laughs> he's rampaging through Haddonfield pretty much just so he can get home. He's just trying to get to his childhood home. And that seems to or the, the movie's kind of implying that that's always been his goal is that he's, he, you know, he's not necessarily ever been maliciously killing people. He's just taking down anything that's in his way to getting to his childhood home. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he doesn't have to kill the people. If they aren't, like, literally in his way. He's, well, he yeah, is exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's sort it's fun. It's the idea set up in this film that me that his room, that his sister's room, is like his safe space. So all he is comfortable doing in this world is just staring out the window at the world. Right. Yeah, it creates kind of this interesting conversation about like who, like what's his deal. Which has always been, I think, a really big part of the Halloween movies, right? Like, there's no real answer. There's a lot of different takes, whether it be from the characters in the film, the filmmakers, or the fans. But there's no definitive answer as to, like, what Michael's issue is. I think that the key into making meaning out of it is that I'm sort of getting listening to you for the first time and just thinking about it more in the context of that he was once a kid like and a more human kid um i don't i think that a lot can be gleaned from that yeah yeah let's get into what worked here because that's the i think the first thing i i want to kind of dive into okay great well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll figure it out. I, I had another thing that could be good to check up with uh, in our references of where we're at in uh, the well, other hit, two hit films we've it. watched in the franchises. Hit me okay. with it, Ryan. Great. Well, okay, and we'll, we'll jump into what worked. We'll sort it out. Here we go. Stay with us, folks. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked? Tim, you're right. Sorry to ruin that. was a great transition, but it's just that I feel like we got to zoom out as far as possible for these, for these covering these franchises and, you know, segue into the movie itself or whatever. But like, we're looking at this in the context of the other two major um, horror franchises and their characters, their, their lead villains, <laughs> um, uh, Freddy Krueger. And Jason Voorhees. So we already talked sort of at length about, you know, comparing those two. Mm-hmm. And you touched on Michael Myers a little bit. But like, yeah, how do you suss out what Michael Myers 
is and how is he different from those other two and you know assuming that will be a what works sense it is it is i mean it is it's this totally wrapped up in what i was driving at here i'm not sure i have an answer to be honest but i think the non definitive aspect of michael myers is the definitive aspect of michael myers that that's what makes him the sort of the scariest in a lot of ways is that we really don't know why he's doing this. Unlike Freddie and Jason, who have very clear um, motives, as we discussed previously, you know, Jason is effectively a embodiment of a of a grief revenge curse. And it's magical and it's a curse. And, you know, we talked about that. Freddy is more of a revenge uh, magical being, but he's totally malevolent, right? Like he, from start to finish, he was, he's not the product of a wrongdoing unless you consider... (laughs) you consider the parents of dead children killing you a wrongdoing right so he's he's totally wrapped up in in malevolence right evil like th- like just the dark side of of humanity michael is neither of those things he, well i mean he's he's magical to some degree um but he's not the product of anything in in so far as an exterior event he's an he's a totally interior character and and monster if you will and so i think what makes him so scary is that he was a kid and he was already for unknown reasons driven to kill and that question of like why why do why does anybody at any age i guess kill being encapsulated in a kid and then having that gestate in an asylum for 40 years is it's just like down the rabbit hole right like it's it's compounding not only the question of why but the piling on of of distance from empathy. Yeah, well, with all these guys, there's something, I think, as horrible as what they do, I think there's something deeply human about them in a way, too. As far as, like, okay. <laughs> what do I, I mean, you get to say, I mean, he's he's the non-human. So hear me out when I'm saying... Like he's he's the shark amongst them, you know, the boogeyman amongst the Michael Myers. But as far as when you take that context of being him being a kid and like what you just said, killing his sister and you sort of say, well, why is he doing that? I mean, my kind of like speculation to that is, you know, the same idea of like him looking out the window in his sister's room. It's his safe place. He represents sort of being that kid self who never who's just afraid of change and doing what's scary, going outside your bubble, you know, but a life should be always about 
ever so gradually pushing that bubble as much as we can in our, our short lifetimes here. So, I mean, him killing his sister is like, it was pretty much in response to his sister having a boyfriend like that, as if that was some big, scary world to him or just you know? his, his sister growing into a woman and not being exactly. a child anymore like there's something in yeah. there like that's never really right. like outwardly explored but it's like in it, it's built into that original scene like she's got her shirt off there it's like seems fairly either post or pre-coitus kind of moment for her with her boyfriend so there's a sexualization happening of her in that that maybe he's responding to. It's not explicit, but that I think we can we can make that leap. Yeah. Well, uh, what did you think? I mean, I used the word the boogeyman. I was curious. Do you think that is the most appropriate for Michael Myers? Even I, I think this movie solidifies that the most of any of them because it gives the context of what the boogeyman term means to us as a society. And I, I I gotta be honest, like (laughs) I always thought of Michael as sort of just an unstoppable, like evil force. And now with these movies, I'm like, Oh man, he's kind of just the product of incarceration. Right? Like, think about the idea of a six year old being immediately imprisoned in isolation for doing something horrible. Well, if you looked at like how I set up that context of it's arrested development is, you know, what sort of caused him to do that murder in the first place. You are just putting a hard arrested on his development when you do that. <laughs> right. So, so if that's the context that we're starting at, of course, the broader implication is that society did that to him. You, a, a kid, a, a well, I don't know if you can call him innocent or necessarily, but like, let's just say anybody at that age is they're not <laughs> like they shouldn't be held to the standard of an adult. Right. I mean, <laughs> just generally speaking, brains are weird. Like little kids do crazy stuff, you know, like little kids will bite you. Like they don't know what the hell is going on. And so if you just magnify <laughs> that upwards into the worst thing, sure. I can conceive of a little kid grabbing a knife and stabbing his, his sister and really, really not understanding what's going on. Like there are brains out there that that's going to be the case with that can be salvaged. It's not like it's not like that can't be helped. But in our society, in, in 1978 society, the answer was, well, even further back, right? Because it would have been how what year did that initial killing happened like 65 i think or something like that he was six and 65 which made him 20 whatever in 78 so in 1965 a six-year-old kills his sister with a knife and society said like like slap their hands together throw away the key you know like not dealing with that (laughs) 
And so I think that's actually really fascinating. What does happen to somebody in that circumstance? And the movie says this. Yeah, I mean, it ties into where, like, it's still accurate to put it in the way that Michael Myers is often put, like they say in the movie, his evil, like, pure evil, represents right. pure evil. So you, it's just sort of you, the, the context, we're talking about it here, though, it's like, take, though, you know, also looking at it as he represents the evil in all of us. So he almost represents a what if of, like, what if, you took that evil in us all and only stoked the flames of it. They incubated it. They literally incubated the e- the evil act or the terrible act that this six year old did. And that and then and then they're mad that when he gets out, he just like <laughs> it's like plows through people. It's like. I don't know. Did did you expect something different? That's the thing that I really like. And I like about, to sort of bring it back to this movie, the flashbacks in this movie giving us a little little bit more of Loomis and a little bit more of just the reaction of people is, I think, really helpful to kind of just seeing Michael as a person in a way. Because, like, Loomis is so determined to say, just eradicate it. He's evil. It's evil. He's evil. Like, pure evil. Just eradicate it. And In an old school kind of way, I want to note. In a what? Old school kind yeah. of way. And having Hawkins stop Loomis from killing him, which probably wouldn't... Well, yeah, probably wouldn't have worked anyway. Um, but either way, having Hawkins stop that, having Hawkins show a little bit of humanity... Um, and then feeling guilt over that is really, you know, it's pretty, it becomes complex, but at the end of the day, I think it's just giving us this sense of like everybody around Michael society, the individuals are kind of, they're defining him. Right. And this is murky because he's also doing horrible things, but I think a lot of what where this movie is coming from and maybe the originals had this to some degree is nobody's asking why. They're just like we've talked about a lot. There's this certitude of, well, he's just evil, so eradicate him. But nobody's nobody is asking the question why he is the way he is. I will bring up that was the I don't know if you watched it before this, but I revisited Halloween 2018. I did. And that. OK, great. Well, that's those those podcaster characters at the beginning of that one, I feel like represent the attempt to understand why. And but maybe a misguided attempt, it's, it's, but. Right, exactly. So it's it's it is why it's tricky territory. It is because then you in the in 2018 one, you also have the doctor character, the new Loomis being an insane person and so you're really it is a deconstruction of these tropes sort of saying like you know what nobody's really good and nobody's really bad that everybody's just a mess and i think that's really cool so then moving into this one suddenly you've got this other broader like uh zoom out to be like okay well how is this all affecting 
society. And let's just use Haddonfield as a microcosm of society. And that to me, that's so exciting to see the the question of how it's affecting society put up against the question of who Michael Myers is. Like, and then, <laughs> then, then having the rest of the movie just kind of be like, well, let's see what happens. Like when you put those two things together, like you step back from everything and just watch that unfold. It's it's wild. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've actually answered your question at all. But my <laughs> takeaway is that Michael's the mis- the mystery around who and what Michael is is what makes him compelling as a big bad. Yeah. Whereas it, there is no mystery with the other two. Right. Um yes, agreed. That's great. Well, uh there's I mean, you just touched on kind of touched on a bit of everything. Yeah. So to wrap up, I guess some more like observational things about unique Michael Myers things and then to get into all that other stuff too. So many rich themes at play here. But Michael Myers is some things that struck me this time about him compared to the other two. Thinking of him as like the Zen one in a way. Where like (laughs) you could say they're all pretty immediate and just having fun. You could say that's a Zen thing, right? But something, uh, you know, that, that would we hear that word Zen? Like the way he like when his victims running away and he just kind of walks after them. There's something just so like he's, I mean, that's the word Zen. But it's like how he... I don't know how to put it. It's like he's he is very immediate. He's very he's very present, but he's not he it's not like he's obsessed for like selfish reasons it seems like. You know, it's it really is that sense of like in that terms of zen it's like the the doing your dharma thing. Like this is what he was meant to do on some level right. and he can do it calmly and if it works out or not, he's not concerned. He doesn't have that sort of pent up anger obsession that Fred uh, that um Jason Voorhees has. Right. He's doesn't have the the manic, you know, way or you know that you could say Freddy has too actually. Um, so that's something that struck me unique about him. Well, I don't think he's taking pleasure in any of it either. He's so neutral that it's almost like he's just a really earnest guy. He's like, I'm yeah. just doing my thing, man. Well, it's like, although if he you, does have a sense of humor. Well, I, that's, that's why I was just wondering if that, is it a sense of humor or is it more akin to like, if he's a kid torturing insects or animals, is it mm. just kind of like laying out the bodies in a circle afterwards you know just kind of like doing a weird kind of just almost not like playing in a fun sense but like playing with your food in a just kind of like just you know in a almost a human sense i don't know actually you know i would say this movie more than any other one solidifies the idea and they they really explicitly say this at one point the idea that he is a six-year-old in a yeah. in a adult hyper powerful maybe even magical probably magical body and so if for nothing else you have to always take him f- for that fact he's a 6 year old in there's a 6 year old brain inside of all of what's going on so everything starts there now 
going down the the pathway of like what makes him magical is a whole nother thing. I don't think actually that has anything to do with Michael. And and I mean this movie is saying it doesn't. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. Well, a couple things wrap up on on Michael Myers and then you transitioning into magical. We'll do that here. So I just uh, remembered and liked how you said about, I think all of them at some point, like all three of them are hams, I think is how you put it, or at <laughs> mm-hmm. least for some of them, that's where you see it. Whether yeah, they, it's like you know, Fre- Freddie, obviously being Freddie, Jason, like, you know, b- being unique in his kills, throwing bodies through windows just to scare <laughs> someone. <laughs> right. Um, that is, yeah, no, but yeah, put it in the context of Michael Myers, and you say he's a six-year-old, where it does feel like it's, I don't know, it's it's to remind you, like, he's, he's, yeah, he, he could say he is, he's not just, I don't know, it's, sure, maybe he is just, like, evil incarnate, but there's, there's, there's a human element to him too like i mean where the the, the the probably furthest that's been pushed in any of the movies with him they did this movie where it's like didn't he start the record in the old house the couple that he kills <laughs> like he must have started that record after killing the couple yeah. and you know prop you know putting their bodies together but when you imagine it like you said from the level of a six-year-old it's almost just like Oh, a record player. I haven't seen one of these. You know, I'm going to put it on. It's not necessarily like he's being like a Freddie would kind of, uh, you know, find glee from the lyrics of the song, putting it in this black context. But yeah, um, Michael Myers is different in that sense, but still can come across as him when he's like testing out the knives in the back of the corpse. Oh, God, like all that stuff. It's yeah, all to say, yeah, hams or not, it's just something about Michael Myers. You you get that child sense of humanity still that's in there. Well, and I would further that, you know, whatever you want to call it, that idea along and say that you could kind of just correlate everything he does to children's games. Uh he really likes peekaboo. Yeah. <laughs> right? He he <laughs> he really likes hide and seek. He likes to play with the dolls. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to toy around with different various things. Like he 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 likes to <laughs> like in this one he climbs up on the roof of a car. Every kid loves climbing on a roof of a car. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of one of his signature moves actually. Right. Like, <laughs> so in a way, I feel like that's kind of just who he is, man. He's a six-year-old. That's, it's like if you took a six-year-old and removed the um, the fear of reprimand and then put him in an adult body, what does that Dude, look like? That's, that's why he's just so perfect re- representing the evil in us all. That's just like what, that's sort of that, that. That's a lot of that's what like facing your shadow self is, is like, oh, God, like what would I have done, you know, in a world without reprimand? Like, is that yeah. what I have been a good, you know, like, you, you, I don't know, you look at that side of yourself left, you know, the um, unaffected. Um, anyway, well, well, magic, Tim. Well, so what <laughs> I, I wanted think to say is the bridge yeah, yeah. between those two things is how society reacted to him as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that 
in the same kind of ways, I guess you could make the same argument that we made for Freddie and Jason. That act of society is what blossomed the curse, the magical aspect of it. Taking a kid and throwing him in a cell and locking that you know, locking it up and throwing away the key is the it it it's the sin or the the yeah the the sin of society that that the curse was born out of well yes i in agree in the same I, way that yeah. like jason's mother getting killed is the thing that created him in the same way that freddie being you know <laughs> burnt to death by a group of angry parents is what created him Right. Well, real quick to give the context, when we say magic, we're talking about how the fact that bullets don't seem to kill him, he's, you know, right. he's unaffected by that. In fact, what they say in the first one, it only makes him stronger. Yeah. So I think this can work alongside what you're saying, but I think a more like Michael Myers spin on like what the sort of his, his supernatural abilities might be is when you look at him from what they always say, what we already said, he's representing evil incarnate the evil in us all that's something you can't kill <laughs> you know Lori says it in this movie yeah i think it's in a voiceover right toward the end she says you know he's flesh and blood but you cannot kill him with brute force right so here's well we'll find out in halloween ends how <laughs> you know assuming we get ends but okay here's the kind I have of tie a whole in... theory about that which i'm very okay. excited to talk about great well my whole theory on just kind of what i most gleamed out of the themes tying directly to the idea of how do you defeat michael myers if he represents evil and if you come from that evil mob mentality place kill evil ends tonight evil dies tonight you're somehow only making him stronger how do you deal with that that's what i see like is our sort of real jumping off point i mean there's there's so many ways to do that i just have to start touching on it with this big one but i put it as like your trauma is a big word for these films right yeah. so you look at sort of you know in the example in this film the the, the angry, unsatiable mob who thinks they're doing good, though, mind you, you could look at sort of that coming from the anger place as a manifestation of that collective and individual trauma, right? But sort of to put it in the context of what we were saying, like how this is um, being put in today's context, I think we're at a really interesting point where we're just so ripe to have a mob scene like this. It's like as, as potent as ever. I'm so glad we had it. But I think that it's especially interesting right now because we've reached a sort of point where we have to completely change our kind of like societal outlook approach that we're there's no there's no other like countries now there's no enemies right now if we want to actually quote you know def we have to defeat the evil within us you know which right can, can sound not practical but it like is what's going on and there are practical approaches to that so you say like that for me i really take to heart that that means 
building a world based on nonviolence, right? And violence can mean physical violence, but it can also just mean that sort of separateness or mm -hmm. anger or, you know, anything like that, separation from the other. So that's what makes this character, Michael Myers, so interesting right now. When you have something that is just a pure killing machine, what do you do with it? And I think- Give him a hug. <laughs> right, but that we, so we know, like, you can't, and that's why we, I think we're so sort of caught up on, like, you could use, you know, he represents our historical examples where I feel like World War II stopping Hitler's rise to power was kind of the last just war, but that all changed. Like, I think history changed with the dropping of the bomb, the atomic bomb, to say, like, this is what we've reached capability-wise, so we're just going to have to figure out how to start moving in the exact opposite direction, mm -hmm. you know, and we've kept up war since then. And I know this is all sounding grand and societal and whatever, but that is just why I'm so excited for this film because it, it brought up these things really interesting way. But so you have a sort of old world idea, you know, Loomis is coming from, you know, whether he's right or wrong, just kill Michael Myers, shoot him in the head. But you think like, like, but we aren't going to look back at our World War II heroes and be like, oh, what were you doing? You know, you were killing people, <laughs> you know, kind of, it was, it's a different world, you know? So I think Lori, it's what she says all along. She says it has to be her to kill Michael Myers. And I think that's be part of, she's the older generation here representing that older generation from his from the original murders, from the, she's the grandmother of the situation. Hawkins backs her up with that sentiment too. He takes that on as well. His yeah. generation, same generation as her, um, and Tommy kind of, and Lindsay and, and sort of the mob, they're like a, the next tier down of that same mentality of like, yeah. we got to just, just destroy him. Well, it's a way for grandma to tell her granddaughter like, hey, like you have to be it's on you guys to do something different. I'm still a part of this old world that <laughs> that uh, maybe there is a, a final battle in place that a last act of violence, you know, you could say requires. I mean, you know, that's that's the interesting philosophical territory, but that's what it gets, gets into. And I think it just explores all that so well with having that idea Lori has to be the one to kill Michael. I just think that's incredible. And i <laughs> able just to chew on all that thanks to it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, where to go from, from there? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Well, let's talk about... Let's talk about a little bit, like, more... I think, for me, the, the takeaway of, of what you're talking about in regards to this uh the metaphor of his evil and what laurie says like some i actually don't remember if laurie is the one who says it but you can't kill evil with evil that bigger picture to me is really a way of saying which she says you can't you can't use force to i mean you can but when you use force to combat force you're just adding to the problem 
Now, it's like in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, we can't deal with her freaking out, give her sedatives. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's just a universal theme, right? Like, we see we see that kind of arc often where the altruism that a character needs to achieve often is is achieved by the character putting down the weapon and saying actually no i've got it wrong like i can't keep fighting this and watching a character let go of that notion is usually the most compelling moment um a dramatic example of that is goodwill hunting right will hunting is this kind of antisocial like whatever and he needs robin williams is like therapy and the moment of robin williams being compassionate and 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 saying it's not your fault to him is very evocative like it makes him angry and like upset and, and borderline violent but he has to go through that to understand it and it's extraordinarily moving right i could kind of see that same model used with michael where it's like Lori, Lori's so determined to say we have to destroy it we have to destroy it because she's reacting to like how you react when you get bit by a dog right like you a thing lashed out and you your reaction often is to lash back and like whatever like kick the dog away from you or whatever. But that we know that that doesn't work. Like we humans know, and yet we keep doing it. And so well, it like, worked to your up point, until a point in history. Yeah. Right. To your point, up until this moment where you, as, as a society, as humanity has to finally agree that maybe that's not working. And we do. Like, we are moving in that direction. We've been moving in that direction for a long time. Now, <laughs> there have been cultures in in the history of, of humans that I think were pretty close to already getting that and cultivated it. And what happened to them? They got mowed down by the other thing. And so it's it's a treacherous treacherous thing or stance to take to be like actually we're going to come from a place of empathy and compassion and passivity and and try to hone that as as a society well it's i mean yeah you get people's fear and hesitation around doing just that because it is stepping into an unknown and kind of like what this movie explores it's not it's 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 not a clean transition no whatever it would be and it's murky territory and i think what i love you know just getting to you touch on the mob even more like we know they're they're well-intentioned but they i don't want to say it like the sort of you know the the, you know as far as that that anger in ourselves maybe we're all trying to deal with at other groups of people or whatever it's sort of that that mob represents like that part of us that no matter how horrible those other people, you know, like if, if whatever they may believe that we just totally disagree with or detest that, you know, just triggers us so much, sets us off so much to go to some sort of other place that could actually, you know, allow you to 
communicate or empathize with them on some level. You know, this sort of mob represents that where it's like, you could see the bullwick. Like, Wait, what are you? How could we slow down chasing this guy right now? He just killed our whole town of people, you know. But it's like they they kill an innocent man, you know, in in doing that. They they there's no there's no stopping and listening to the to Judy Greer trying to tell them to stop. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean the 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 mob <laughs> mob mentality is such a a useful. Um, construct i guess to show how quickly we can kind of ride a wave well that's that i think that's a misintended wave that's exactly what i'm trying to say thank you is the when what we're angry at is a mob that is when it's easiest for us to fail to see we are falling under mob mentality on our own yeah yeah and like the power of uh, <laughs> what do you even call this? Like, it, it, it's like cheerleading, you know, like you get in a room of people like humans are crazy, like around this type of stuff. It, like I've watched, there's some really interesting, like, um, sort of social experiment type stuff out there that you can, you know, just find on YouTube. But like, it's kind of the thing, like we're so programmed to fall in line with the group as humans, like, that's that's a largely consistent thing throughout human culture. And obviously not every single individual is as susceptible. There's a scale to that. But a large, large swath of, of humans are so easily suggested into following the group. So like one of the kind of classic uh, experiment examples is you <laughs> all it takes is one person standing in front of a closed door on a public street as if they're waiting to go in. And I but yeah, I, people I saw will one, line up behind them. I saw one that was like people in a waiting room and uh, everyone stood when a beep went off. And like everyone who'd come in the I've joining room and observed so everyone good. else doing. So, okay. I, I don't mean this to toot my own horn because there's pluses and minuses to it, but I've never been someone to like, if I see a mob running somewhere, I run the other direction. I'm, well, I'm one right. of those so, people. I think that's for an better interesting and important so, thing to know about yourself, right? Like I tend to uh, as well uh, shy away from the group like mentality or group speak or sort of the just the the wave if a wave starts happening i'm like i don't know i'm gonna step back and just see where this goes but that right. you know that's just who we are i think to varying degrees well, um so you I, I guess what i'm getting at is you can't fault people for that because it's so ingrained it's such a human thing but the tragedy of that is such that you just can't you can't fight it in a lot of ways which is sort of doubling down on this bigger theme of like <laughs> you really are powerless in a lot of ways like we as well, it's, people are just powerless right. to those things to those forces but what we aren't powerless to which is so smart it puts in this movie what tommy doyle represents you know leading the mob in everything that moment after he realizes that he just let a mom and killed an innocent person 
you know, well, they're kind of stuck there. It's like, well, what do we do? What do I do? And it's basically like that's the example of stepping into that unknown. You may F up along the way, but what he does is he says, you know what? I see what I just did, but now I'm just going to try to keep doing the right thing, but just from a different place. Like maybe if right. a woman's screaming at me to stop, I'm going to stop and listen to her now, right. <laughs> whatever it may be. Uh, but just to touch on again real quick what is talking about how myself, even though if I don't relate to the mob, what this movie still hits me on a certain level of getting me to like rile up and then look at that exactly what I don't agree with bubbling up in myself. But there is that moment in the, um, in the scene, they're chasing down the guy, the mob's chasing down the guy where it's like when Lori, it's when she basically re-injures herself, like the, the mob's going crazy. There's like, uh, there's like a doctor who's joined them or like a nurse who's joined them and is just just looks manic in the face and is just running forward. And Lori's is kind of yelling at them to stop. And he kind of gets up in her or whatever on accident, just in his, his, his craziness. And she like knees him and basically makes him buckle over and fall to the ground. And I was just feeling so much frustration at just like wanting to put a wall up against this mob and just, you know, yell at them with a loudspeaker. Right. That like when she did that and just like physically hurt one of these people, I felt myself like getting that tinge of like, yeah, take that. But then I immediately horrified at myself that that's that's how the cycle continues, you know, just trying to catch myself in that. Exactly. It's so smart because at its core, what motivates us as humans in our brains to get into the line or or follow the mob or ride the wave or whatever is the fear of not doing the right thing. So it's it's again, it is a fear-based motivation, which is the theme of this movie. Well, and that's the that the problem there is therein is like but what about when you're trying to do the right thing in a sort of system and by methods of which are no longer working or never, you know, aren't the way to build this new world we're talking about, right? Or a new method or approach. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but at. I think that's sort of that that's a bigger <laughs> that's a bigger question. <laughs> well, no, I mean, just like what you're saying, you know, meaning how despite, you know, even though you mean well, I'm just looking at all the other stuff that's caught up. You know why it's like you you just how, you know, you don't want to, why you can empathize with people who still be that way. Like the firefighters at the beginning, I thought was so smart as another example that was kind of like same but different from the mob. Like they're doing exactly what their job is at the beginning, putting out a fire and looking for survivors no matter what. But again, we have Lori screaming in the back of the truck, let it burn, let it burn. But just because of firefighters, how they operate or whatever, there's no, it's, it's like that there was no room for that in that situation for them to ever be stopped. You know, I don't know, just that was just a little example of like they're doing the right thing, but just this, the, the details of the situation are just needed that little bit more of nuance that for whatever reason, the chaos just this it's, it's it doesn't allow for. Well, yeah, I mean, it is everything. It, it comes down to nuance and context and information. 
and a lack thereof in these situations. <laughs> right. And that's the horror of it all. That's the horror of the mob mentality. They don't have the bigger picture context or information to actually behave properly. And it just runs rampant. That's what it it all kind of boils down to. And we see like society does this all the time we well, there's so many movies and stories about this type of thing right like the end of rebel without a cause the cops shoot sal minio because he's got a gun but james dean comes out and says yeah but i have the bullets <laughs> you're always spoiling the, the end story. of rebel without a Co- cause on the show <laughs> i know well <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those movies for me but that's just the you know that's the lesson we we as a society we're constantly jumping to a certitude or a comfort in the certitude without the broader context or understanding or information or whatever to make a reasoned decision. And so like to jump with that mob to the end of the movie and which just works to hammer all that home, like filmically everything like Yes. So then, you know, we have the mobs clearly in its position of power. It's wanted all along. They can finally just beat and stab to death the evil, as, you know, they mm-hmm. refer to it as. But then what do we see happens? It's evil. <laughs> evil itself is is represented in this body and their exact attempt to try to control something that's an uncontrollable force that is manifested in this body as we say, it only makes it grow stronger. And I mean, just to just get into like how that plays out a bit on a film level, just, I, I just love that. And I just realized it was kind of similar to the beginning of the 2018 one when they first meet Michael outside. And it's just like this rapid cutting, just kind of building and building and mm-hmm. energy. That's essentially what was happening here where it's just basically the building up a fervor of Michael being... Right. Reet of evil being recharged by evil and just sort of in the god the the way it builds with just the the cutting and then culminating in killing the mob off and then killing uh judy greer off sorry i always forget her character name she's just so karen judy greer karen <laughs> Duh, right she's wearing a christmas sweater the whole movie it's so good. <laughs> i know um but yeah, no, I mean, just the way that whole ending, filmically, story-wise, context-wise, just hammered home all that we're talking about and just all those ideas of, you know, evil trying to kill evil. Yeah, and and he, just to backtrack to Tommy, uh, something that really, I think, bakes your noodle is that in the moment that Tommy realizes that he messed up and that there was a consequence like somebody, an innocent person died. The group, everybody around him gives him forgiveness. They, they sort of go, oh, whoops. It's a whoopsie. And he's allowed to make up for it. He's given permission to say, well, how do I make it right? That permission is something that Michael, as a six-year-old, was not given. Right. Like society just said, no, nope, you screwed up. See you later. You don't get to have any sort of forgiveness. You don't get to like you don't get to repent. You don't get to apologize. You're just at you're out. You're in in the cage. 
And so having those two things kind of up against each other is really telling to me. It's sort of like speaking to all of this stuff. It's like, oh, so when the adult does it, no problem. Just forgive him and let him carry on. Um, obviously, he suffers the consequences of that. But when the when the little kid does it, no, no, he's just pure evil. And I just think those ideas up against each other are really evocative because what are we doing? Right. Like right. as a society, what are we doing? Well, I think there's even more to gleam from the context of the mob situation when you touch on the uh, the poor other escaped mental patient and yeah. everything with him because and this actually could be a good way to kind of also just group into how transition a bit more into just in general how tragedy plays a part in this film mm-hmm. um but just specifically a little more in the context of was you know meta this situation as a metaphor for society yada yada that escape mental patient him like his whole that whole scene with him, like I, I think I was borderline tears, like feeling oh, for him horrifying. and just how scary is absolutely horrifying. And like the way, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's so especially tragic and it was just so smart to have it start with him making his way to the hospital after getting in an accident because he was just chased, you know, like doesn't know how to drive a car clearly is, you know, um, stunted or, or whatever has disabilities, but he knows he's gotten to the hospital and all he's doing is screaming, help me. Like, that's just like what really got under my skin. Cause you sort of, you take the mob representing the sort of most angry, you know, that angry fervor of anything that's politicized, whatever, maybe choose any side. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It's just the idea of, you know, approaching wherever it is from that again this this mob violence is okay place that that one lone guy for me represented like well what if it's represented like the idea of that's someone on the other side in a way like they're 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 othering this individual to the point of like that is the thing we want to defeat a thing so the means of doing that is to kill the person that that thing is in Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so culturally, we've like humans have been doing that. They've been othering people yeah. forever and just massacring them because they look or represent a thing that is different from themselves. I mean, that's so crazy, but so a part of humanity. I think what that right. Oh, I wanted to say, yeah, yeah about what that helped me, why it's so tragic, I think, is because that's essentially, again, it doesn't matter what side or if it's the right or wrong side or anything like that, but essentially anyone at any given time when you're expressing that kind of, you know, passion, you are just saying, help me. I feel like in this world, anything that is politicized, you basically have these two sides that are screaming, help me. And then there's the other one that's essentially just, you know, but the, his approach is to do anything but just to chase him down and want to kill him. And it's well, and it's always problematic when the whichever it doesn't really even matter which side, but when the 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 voices that are speaking out are are actively ignoring all the information. Right? They've they've determined a point of view. 
And anything that deviates from that is against you or the problem or whatever. And that's just not how you should look at the world, right? But the the mob helps facilitate you locking into that. Yeah. It's, it's, this, here's the thing. This is what bothers me about people being like, that movie sucked. <laughs> like, we've just spent a good hour talking about just the thematic aspect of a mob. Like, if you walked out of this movie and you were like, eh, <laughs> I didn't like it. Then I'm sorry, but you're I just I want to be like, don't go to movies. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Like, come on. Yeah. What are you there for then? I mean, yeah. look, everybody. I mean, that's kind of a, a shit thing for me to say, but <laughs> you go you go to a movie to get whatever you want to get out of it. And I'm totally fine with that. But like, if you want. you If you go to a movie and want to completely turn your brain off more power to you but like don't then come back to a movie that was thought provoking and say it sucked or it didn't do anything new with the franchise yeah get out of here <laughs> get out of here yeah I anyway here's what i think we should do because we we've we've talked a lot about this i think we should dig in to the strode uh and and beat by beat kind of kill aspect of this movie all right i can get us there by being where we just were if we were just talking about overall yeah trying to transition into the sense and weight of tragedy in general in this film i will say like yeah, of course, that was an escaped mental patient. Um, I mean, we touch on the ending with Karen being killed. You know, that's huge. We have now the daughter with no parents left. But the kill that I think, you know, got to be aside from those was when, you know, you have the little posse made up of the almost victims from the past. <laughs> yeah. And it was um, the woman who was the girl. Yeah, what you said her name earlier, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, having those people die was just like really got to me. Where it's like this this idea of almost of of surviving an attack by a murderer, and then to only forty years later be killed by them still after having them already affected your whole life. Just that idea to ha that your whole life is just kind of like so dictated by this outside force like it was inevitable all along there's just something especially tragic and gruesome about um her death and i think there's another death like that in it well i just want to victim blame them really badly right now to say <laughs> you know guys a really easy way to not get killed by michael myers is to not think that you can go kill him well that's exactly it because like you're empathizing with them when they do think, you know, they're, they're sort of finding the strength within them is what it feels like right. of like, no, we're we're teaming up together to defeat evil. It's a, ugh. But again, like we talked about, it doesn't doesn't quite work that way with Michael Myers. It doesn't. And in the previous movie e even sort of solidifies that Lori spent 40 years preparing and <laughs> she still failed. You think you four knuckleheads who half of which have never even like held a gun 
are a match for this guy <laughs> get well, out of here that was something really cool that i like made this transition to more as other yeah other stuff in the film going on but as far as like expanding on like the story and whatnot of like where is this gonna go after the first one to of course having it take place the same night but then you're thinking like since we're we're dealing with it all real time a kind of like, well, what's going on here that I was wondering alongside what the first one is like, well, how is this news getting out to the rest of the town mm-hmm. and how are they going to react to it? So it was just one of those like perfect sequel, just kind of like building from this context that then is all rooted in the context of the original, original Halloween. Right. But there was just something so fun about the like the meeting the town in the bar on Halloween 40 years later and being with them as does the news seeps out of yeah. Michael Myers' is back. Oh, so good. I know. I mean, I just think that um the this whole movie is the second act of a bigger story. And so, you know, what we we usually refer to that as is the fun and games and the bad guys close in, right? Like those are sort of terms that are thrown around in screenwriting. That this whole movie is just uh, I think this is the argument a lot of people are getting, you know, kind of or m- they're they're misinterpreting this movie. They're thinking it's supposed to be a um, a Laurie versus Michael movie again. And it's not. I mean, it's not at all. It's it's the second act of a of a saga that is showing how Michael, you know, <laughs> Michael on the loose is really, really uh, rampant and, and like how that affects everybody. It's, it's the perfect encapsulation of the second act of that story. Like and first, first act is Laurie, you know, seeing Michael again. Second act is Michael running, running loose in town. And the third act is going to be Laurie having to actually like find a new way to combat michael and what i think just to theorize what i think the crux or the horcrux if you will <laughs> of michael myers that this movie really is is laying the the seed of or planting the seed of laying the groundwork for is one or t- one of two or both icons are the things that will take michael down I think what Laurie needs to do is to let go of the force aspect of defeating him, get him to the house, and destroy the house or the mask or both. I think when you start to enter into the magical ideas around like what makes him, what gives him his power, it's those three things. It's right. fear-based force as a combatant against him doesn't work we know that it just feeds him the house which he's constantly drawn to and the mask which gives him the literal barrier between his vulnerable self and us well that's the house and the mask are similar in that sense exactly and so in this movie there's a really cool couple moments right like laurie talks about when when she, she like hawkins is basically saying He's he's a six year old. That's who he is. And and it has nothing to do with you, Lori. 
And she's like, but I've seen like I've seen that face when she pulled the mask off in the first movie. And she's like, and she sort of does acknowledge it. She's like, it's he's got kind of the face of a child. He's just a child in this big body. And there's some connection in this movie to that in that moment where she, like the light bulb kind of goes on with her. And in the context of all of the, the what's going on, I think that's a re that's going to become a really important moment for the third movie. It's it's like her mentality is shifting and she's going to have to battle with the loss of her daughter and that understanding in the third movie. That's my guess. Um, but then the the other moment is when when Karen gets the mask off of Michael and we don't see his face really, but she does. And it's the only moment really in the entire movie where he's actually kind of at the mercy of somebody else. So it is his like this movie is to me solidifying this notion that his most vulnerable state is unmasked. And when he gets surrounded by everybody and and Karen says gotcha and all that, she drops the mask and allows him to pick it up and put it back on. The second he does that, like the magic powers are reinstated. He's 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 whatever he is again. <laughs> and so to me that there's there's something to that and my I guess hope maybe rather than any idea that I know what they're going to do with this franchise is that they will use those things as the sort of hinges of how you solve or defeat Michael. The end. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm actually kind of glad you talking about it. These movies are paced out. Too many movies are just like, it seems like a new ones every year, shot back to back. I don't know. It's fun. It lets you chew on a bit. Anyways, when you're talking about um, this being the middle one and therefore representative of the fun and games aspect of it. Just want to say, yeah, I agree. That totally worked for me about this film. Maybe works for me in general about the middle films uh, where it's, it's like, you know, it, it like look at empire strikes back. It feels like you're in the middle of the adventure, you right. know, there's something I really like about that in an exploratory journeying sense. Like think about it. It's like when you go on a trip somewhere for a week, let's say, the middle days are always going to be the best ones, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to, to, to say that not much more to say on that, but also there's something that was interesting with this being a middle one. I thought the emphasis character wise on this one was with Karen and Tommy Doyle. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting how they represent the middle generation. That's right. This yeah. is the middle film. I think that's cool. Yeah. It's smart. I mean, it, it, to, to the, uh, the impact of what we're what we set out to do to talk about the third installments of things it 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 does really we're seeing how much it's deviating from that construct so whatever fine with that yeah <laughs> and i actually you just reminded me just to say in the context of what we're talking about the threes if you are looking at this in the third one in this new trilogy new slash old trilogy uh timeline whatever um it's something feels really appropriate about introducing that concept of like Michael Myers may or may not be supernatural in some regard with his mm -hmm. super strength. Um, that, that just feels like it's coming right at that exact point, a third one 
uh, or that's exactly what a right. third one would do. Um, yeah, because if you take the, what would it be? I think it's like the Sid Field sort of way of looking at it, where it's like act one is the thesis, act two is the antithesis of that, and act three is the synthesis of act one and two, then yes, they're on track for that. <laughs> yeah, totally. And just a bit more too on the um, the way in which he is, like he does sit back up from the ground. <laughs> like it's easy to call it magic and supernatural, but it's really incredible the the level of that the movie handles it, where we have such a grounded, realistic tone to this whole film. Yet I think when that does happen, it is a transition of sorts, but it doesn't skew so far. It feels like it's left that realism. It mm-hmm. feels like more, it's somehow just in the lines of like, you hear those crazy cases of, you know, someone surviving <laughs> yeah. a gunshot in the head kind of thing. Right, right. You right. know, where it feels like it's somehow just this sort of natural order is at work that's that's because Michael Myers is evil incarnate. It's like a natural order is what is keeping him alive. Let's less so that it's something explicitly magic or supernatural. And and maybe that's where those lines between those things blur is like of right. inevitability a force at work like what that inevitability is a force at work you know like yeah yeah uh all that so i just thought that just how all that was handled was just so well done and got me so pumped for the next one too and i don't know that's that it, it stays grounded at least in this film um yeah. despite that i mean maybe it's, part it's of not what... so cut and dry magic yeah yeah part of what maybe keeps us grounded maybe to me in this one man is just the the sheer brutality i was gonna say you brought up the kills that's yeah we better touch on those at there i i'm not even sure i remember which one it was i think it might have (laughs) been it might have been the knife up through the eye and head of the uh the husband in in that scene with the they're all in their their halloween costumes in the car when he's Michael's jumped on the car yep. and he gets in there and shoves that knife like up through his eye into his brain. I let out such a loud noise. <laughs> like I, I like, and throughout there almost every single kill. I was like pretty, pretty moved by like, <laughs> Oh my God. As, well, yeah. as, well as you can say that in a good way it's just because they were just so like he said brutals the perfect word for it like the couple at the beginning when you have the dude who like um you remember the the older couple at the beginning the first victims of his second escape now (laughs) um the way that Michael Myers gra- like punches his hand through the sort of window door or whatever it is, and then repeatedly smashes the guy's Man, head. That's his move. Like it gets the wall, <laughs> right? It's just, but it's just so God. It's just so yeah, brutal. And then yeah, oh God. And then using the the um the the lamp the light bulb. What are those called? The fluorescent lights. <laughs> yeah, to, to that stab the woman up under the neck. I know each kill was just like oh my God, which. There's something really to be said when it that works consistently and it's mm-hmm. when 
because you can get pretty desensitized to it in slashers or like it is more just in the Friday the 13th movie. There's kind of like a gleefulness to it Mm. that makes us feel like conflicted and sick, but it's still fun on some level. But like that's you're killing off like we talked about sort of stereotypes in a way in a Friday the 13th movie here. They're effectively and yeah, they're successfully doing their goal of like, no, these are people that we are feeling and empathizing with just as real people out in the world. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the strength of this depiction is that it at its core, Michael, Michael is an unstoppable thing. And so when you put anybody up against that, we know that they're screwed. And so the, the the terror of it, what makes it scary and makes it exciting is just the glimmer of hope that they might have get a few swipes in. But we know they're screwed. Like there's no way. And so that it there's something that like the ride that you go on with each one of these is you you kind of get fooled into thinking, well, maybe they have a chance. They don't. Yeah. And that's it's so I I just feel like every kill is so well constructed in that way that it's like it's it's pretty ridiculous. But like every kill essentially has a beginning, middle and end to it. Right. It's I think sometimes maybe in 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 lesser versions of the slasher uh, film sort of world. You you don't get that you just kind of get oh they're dead they're slashed they're whatever and it becomes gratuitous in the in sort of the moment of the act whereas for some reason in this there's it's just so good at set up uh set up conflict and and delivery (laughs) of the kill every time it's it's each one of them feels complete. Uh, there's no kind of like half-assed kills. <laughs> Anyone that's standing out to you right now in your memory? I mean, the ones we met the the light bulb one is is quite intense. The the one I mentioned with the, uh, the knife up the eye, but I mean, uh, the the boyfriend that and it's that I think a smart thing they do. It'd be, it'd be interesting to go back and just sort of like pace out each kill because I feel like they slowly add more and more struggle into each of the kills as the movie goes on. Yeah. Like they're the, just the, a little bit more, maybe not every kill, but like the the main ones. Well, yeah, no, it works because as you go along, you want the kerfuffles to have more uh, stakes at hand as far as the main characters, you know, more the characters are more main as we go on. So therefore, the the sort of sequences themselves become that much more kind of intricate and stretched out. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, I mean, the boyfriend one is that's intricate. It goes on and on and on and on and on and then it's over but nope it's not over because he's got to just like finalize it as he walks by down the stairs i love he's in that dress the whole time (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right yeah it's the same night you know well i change 
Well, it's, actually, there, th- yeah, or anything more on the deaths or that death. No, I mean, just, I just, they're, I don't, it seems weird to say this, but they're really, like, uh, <laughs> pleasing. Like, they're just done well. Absolutely. Um, yes. Well, no, wh- why is this going to transition what you said there? It's like, yeah, you know, no need to change the clothes. There's such a specific appeal in that for me of, like, you know, Judy Greer is in that same Christmas sweater the whole movie. Right. Like, there's something so much fun about it. I mean, just in the practical sense of just the actors imagining, like, here's your, here's your action figure, get up, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> here's your 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 icon now iconic, whatever, whatever. Right. But just also in the sense of it just working, where like, it's just a it's just a prong of giving weight to the night itself and it's there for me like it's the ways in which the movies this movie the movies like live up to the title halloween you know it's about a night and like the way that this movie stays true to that and then you know carries it even further as you want sequels to do uh is incredible so you see why yeah like characters wearing the same clothes is just a small kind of aspect of that but um, but just exp- I don't know. I hate the idea of like saying like the knight is a it's like a quote character in the film. It's 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 not quite that, but it's like for me, I think it's it's more accurate to put it like the setting of the night and the town has character that we're like yeah. getting to sort of expand on and just sort of you know a, a new legend is being is being played out before our eyes kind of thing like i don't i don't know i just like just i i love that aspect and everything therein of like this is all one night it's halloween night it's called halloween let's do it yeah and of course we we go into the following morning so it, it it's technically no, november 1st for most you of mean movie. it's still night though it's but it's still night yeah exactly so that's what matters great. it's still the same night <laughs> right no it's very cool um what else is good to talk about um hmm i mean i feel like we've pretty well covered most things there's some just fun there's just fun in the movie i love i love the guys who have bought the michael myers house and have like turned it into kind of their own little spooky realm yeah of course on halloween they would we they yeah they were really likable it's fun they did take spins we did get to spend some time with them Um, oh the other the other thing that 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 sort of is to that point that i i quite enjoyed about this movie is that it has humor in it that the first or the previous one doesn't really have like they laid into a bit more of the like what would you call it maybe irreverence of just characters and yeah. like it, it, it's got some fun it's got some the, some jokes the little boy being babysat in the first one is kind of all there is in the first one right right Ex- that's right that's exactly right yeah so i i was really i just thought it was fun it like broke it up it made it because i think if you don't have that in this movie it's man it's just depressing. <laughs> well, it's it's nice because it's it's that level of which like you want to you stay grounded and with characters as real people, obviously. But so it's just sort of taking that approach of like, no, well, people are funny. 
people can be quippy yeah. and charming and and interesting. And we just don't need I, a lot to see that at play. I love that little group of kids that are the trick or treaters that like pull the prank with the <laughs> razor blade in the you in mean the, the can. little like, jerks cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they get it later, but yeah. Um, actually, well, I mean, I have one last kind of bigger thing that was a can connect to mm-hmm. all the themes that uh, we are already talking about. But just something that is a little bit maybe I want to push back against the kind of you get naysayers, you know, with a lot of these uh, reboot slash years later sequels or whatever that are just kind of always like, well, you know, whatever, let it just let this lie. It's been enough kind of thing. But like this like Bill and Ted 3, like the later Rocky movies and Creed movies. I think there's ways where you you build in the ideas of, you know, older people um, to the stories themselves. And it's I just think it's it's so important. Um, especially, yeah, like, you know, just about stuff stuff in the world that I see that's important to me. Like for whatever reason, just uh an ism that's out there that I've just been, I don't know, always aware of and does, does get a lot of love, I guess. All the isms is ageism, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, I feel like it's just so, Ill, I don't know, so, so present, something that's still just like always a lot, grappling with a lot. And a big part of that is just that idea of, you know, older people. It doesn't have to be that like old, basically like anyone over 60. Like it's, it's like, 50, like whatever, you know, not even old people, but just not the kind of, yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That there's just not being portrayed as, as being people, but as an old person. So just that what this movie did as far as that, that connection to the past, like it sounds like sad and obvious, but I think it does do a lot in our, our world today, just, just to sort of show what should be obvious, but that's like, though these quote unquote old people, like they were just as, as people, as someone who's younger. Like it sounds so like, I don't know, harsh and obvious, but I mean, that, that is the case. And it's nice to kind of have that shoved, you know, in front of you in a way of being like, no, they aren't like, they haven't always just been a, like, I don't know, just it's the way like a lot of the times movies present older people without agency or like just just having not led a life. So just something, I don't know, I just really, really appreciated with this one of like seeing them 40 years ago. And it's something that that number like 40 years ago, I don't know, it's like that's that's that big enough number where I think you can do these things that, you know, I'm sort of bringing up here of just sort of say, like, yeah, but like, in a lot of ways that that's a long time ago, like to think 40 years from now is going to be 2061. Like that puts it in perspective, oh how God. futuristic and crazy that sounds, but same time, you know, it's not long ago at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess not more to say on that. You, you, you get the gist of what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's important to tell the stories of people, um, that aren't you know 25 or whatever (laughs) and and have them (laughs) and have the story not be about them being old yeah well just also they were 25 too like just that just as simple as that (laughs) yeah cool man 
I mean, there's uh, stuff I'd like lots of stuff I guess I could talk about more. Oh, one little tiny detail, just the look of Michael's mask post fire and how he survives the fire. I loved because oh my he God. hides in the gun vault, which yeah, which I think I, I've never had guns, so I'm not well versed in this, but I'm just going to guess that by code or just by your own safety protocol, your little gun closet should be fireproof. Mm. So very smart. <laughs> oh, and but just the, the visuals, him coming out of the fire. Oh. oh, baby. Yeah, the look of the movie is great. The look of the mask, burnt mask, you know, man, design is great. Mention the firefighters, but that whole sequence killing off the Ooh. firefighters was so good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. They, they didn't hold back. Yeah. Uh, just shout out a couple uh, characters too that uh i enjoyed getting the return of loomis i thought was done just just right like worked, to first yeah. hear yeah to first hear his voice i i don't know how much they like cg'd a loomis face onto that guy that they <laughs> yeah. had whatever but it was just done in that kind of classy seamless not in your face way that was just really connected it back to that movie that night was so much fun and then also shout out to, you know, rest in peace from the first one. Actually, talk about some comic relief in the first one, I said would say, is the dad character, Ray, yes. who is killed in the first one. I love that actor, Toby Huss. I do, too. And um, <laughs> it's so much fun getting getting that little glimmer of his who he was a bit more, where uh, the family friend, that guy, tells the story of like, oh, yeah, your dad used to sell right. me peyote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, good. How how perfect. Keep his memory alive. That was fun. And yeah, I, think... I saw him in uh, my grocery store once and I was like, man, you're great. I didn't say anything because I <laughs> don't believe in going up to celebrities, but for celebrities, whatever. They're just people. Um, but I, I was pleasantly surprised to see someone I admire. <laughs> yeah, it's always those the ones at that level that are the most exciting. Hell yeah. The Adventures of Pete and Pete veterans, exactly. <laughs> Seinfeld veterans. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I think that's that covers it for me too. So cool. We can move on and see if there was anything in our next section here that did not work. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> you know i i just enjoyed it for what it was the i think the only thing that i kind of walked out thinking was well two things and they're kind of related to each other if your expectation going in was to see laurie strode battle michael myers you're gonna be disappointed because that's not this movie. She's but we got that in the first in one. What? We got that in the first one. Well, I know, but I think a lot of people are thinking, and maybe this is the fault of the PR. Like the the trailer makes it look like she's gearing up again to fight him, and she doesn't. Mm. That's not this movie. So if that's your expectation, sorry, that's just not what you're going to get. And and right. I thought to myself, well. We'll get it in the third movie. So it's not really a what didn't work, but I guess the the representation of of that possibility in the PR didn't work for me. <laughs> it's funny. I didn't get that. And for me, it's just so built in of like, okay, this whole, this is a trilogy. 
or a quadrilogy in the canon, as we'll keep saying. But um, the first one makes sense. You have their we've meet again fight. Mm-hmm. The second ones, they're separated. So yeah. And then so that way they can come back together for the third one. I mean, this is just spot yeah. on. Like, I yeah. wouldn't want it any other way. Agreed. So but to sort of tangential to that is. From a very zoomed out perspective, I think what this movie lacks, if you're going to criticize it, is the feeling of a main character. Like, I'm not saying you have to have that, but there's a part of me that thought, okay, this is a little bit more Karen's movie. The first one was was very much Allison and uh, and Laurie's movie to me, and Karen was sort of like the the sub character to them in this one it was because of how it ends with karen being kind of the solve saving her daughter um but ultimately getting killed felt a little bit more like her movie and she there she has her moments but i felt a little untethered from that feeling of i'm on the ride through the eyes of this one character having said that you don't need it it's not necessary but during the first viewing i kind of was like who am i supposed to latch on to and in this one i was like is it tom like are we is tommy kind of the person now that we're latching on to no he has his moments too but this is this is an ensemble movie full full on and so if if you're looking for that 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 ain't gonna be in there either (laughs) So um, let me ask, is that instinct of asking who am I supposed to be following most here, latching on to, is that just a default thing that you'll ask? Or is there something that could have been done in this film that would have smoothed out the edges so you wouldn't even be wanting that in the first place? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, it is a instinctual default thing for me. But once I realize that that's not what's happening, I'm a, I'm well, if I know that's not what's happening, I'm fine with it, obviously. But because of the context of the first and second movie, the first, the original and the last one, um, being very Lori centric. I guess the set, the Latin, the previous one, the 18 one is it is more Allison centric probably. Um, but even in that, it, it does that, right? Like we, we follow Allison and we kind of experience the new world through her eyes in the 2018 one. And so I think the presumption going in is that you're going to get some aspect of that. And we don't, I mean, you could make the argument that movie one is Laurie, movie two is Allison, and movie three, this one, is is Karen. But it doesn't quite hit. We don't see, like, the turns in the movie are not based on Karen's decisions. So, I'm not, I don't know. Is that a bad thing? No, <laughs> but it just is a thing. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I'm not just, um, I'm not just, uh, uh, heaping praise for no reason, but I really do feel like I wouldn't want it any other way for this movie. Never was I distracted or questioned 
like, oh, who am I supposed to be following here? Like, this felt like exactly how I'd want the middle film to feel, where we yeah. are just sort of, it, it feels like you're watching a, a Stranger Things almost more. Like, yeah. you don't, there's no main character in that. It's just sort of like we have our main characters, this this tri-generational, these tri-generational characters, and at any given point, we're going to be with one of them. And on top of that, where I will maybe, you know, use that phrase of a saying not an individual as a character in this film, I really do think the town is the character in this film. This is the film that is about group town trauma, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you just feel that, like those scenes in the hospital where they're sort of gathering storm and feeling up. And that scene at the bar, like here's like what really makes me think like the town is character. That first scene in the bar, we aren't just setting up Tommy Doyle. It's like that bar represents of like, this is the town's watering hole. The town is a character. This is the scene where we meet the town representative in this handful of people. Um, so that, I mean, that really did work as like a singular, you know, something just kind of follow more. So, you know, they were the ones sort of driving the literally driving around trying to kill them. Um, and then, yeah. And then that just coupled, I just accept this, the, the trio of women as our main characters. Right. And the, cause of the unique format of this, it, I don't know, that would have felt weird to me to sort of be like latching on to one perspective more than the others. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it works. I, I mean, I my instincts were were wrong. I think is what it was. <laughs> and then now, you know, you get to have a day or whatever I've had since watching. I go, no, no, that's that's fine. Okay, so if you're just talking about uh, possible first viewing, you know, things like I definitely got held up, but I think by one of those, which is like, um, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to on a second viewing see. See if I could just follow, like, it was it was effective, yet at the same time, like, it was just so much that the ending, I did feel, like, a bit, like, whoa, where are we, like, overwhelmed in a kind of jumbled way? Um, we're just, like, I kind of just lost track a little bit of, like, oh, wait, how did he get over to where Karen is? Wait, oh, wait, 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 how did she get to where she is? And then, and then that end beat, it just felt like it kind of ended, like, I don't know. I just wanted to hang on something a little longer or something like that. But anyways, I feel like didn't massage her death. Okay. Well, and even, yeah, that, and just like the cutting to the, you know, end credits moment. I just, something, something felt a little, a much, or just, I didn't, I didn't on a first viewing just like it was both working, but then I also at the same time wasn't totally following it. Anyway, small thing. I feel like kind of like how the beginning of the the 2018 one worked a lot better for me a second time through. I feel like mm. this ending, knowing what it is, that that manic energy it's building, I'll sort of be able to plug in a little better since it is kind of doing a lot. It can be a lot first. You time. know what they could have done that may have been effective too, since this is a sequel of a trilogy. You could cliffhanger. You they could have cliffhangered this much harder. Um, it's a cliffhanger to know that Laurie has got to find out, and well, and Allison need to find out that that Karen is killed. But what if Karen had been standing in the window and stepped to tur- to leave that spot, turned around, and Michael was there, and he raised the knife, and then we cut there to black. 
And that's the end credits. Uh, like we, no, I sorry, Tim. I hate it. I hate it. I don't uh, want well, it at all. <laughs> I'm a big fan of of the unanswered ending. Well, especially I, in this context of like a, a, you know, the end of the second movie. Like you start up the next movie with her getting brutally killed. That <laughs> no, this, true cliffhanger. This for me is the kind of cliffhanger I want, where it's like it the movie ends on a note of what it is about so hard. Like we already, you know, mm. praise what yeah. that ending is doing of just like, this is all about, it's almost like a ritual of just building up Michael Myers evil. And like, that's what this is about this one. So just to sort of have the ending, just like ride out on that, that note. And that, I don't know, whatever that is. Um, like that was the ultimate, like, hype tease for the next not kind of like oh my god there's 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 luke holding out the lightsaber or whatever like i don't care (laughs) like don't you don't need to do that just stop anyway sorry (laughs) yes you don't need to get so like dismissive (laughs) of it ryan it's just an idea you don't have to like it no just treat as i i love it for how it is fair enough not what everything. Else? That's it. I, I mean, know. I really don't have anything else that didn't work. I mean, I just I wrote. There were like wrote the the movie. There were yeah. There were some things where I this may be like a second viewing thing will be better. But like it's such a hard line to to walk of those when you like all the uh, kills in this this movie these kinds of movies where it's like you want a good kind of frustrating and not a bad kind of frustrating with just sort of like how those specifics play out sort of moment by moment of when someone's trying to escape or when someone you know tries to fight Michael Myers back like like are you yelling at them in a good way or the bad stereotypical horror movie way you know what i mean um so I don't know. There there are a couple moments where I felt like like the the couple at the beginning, like the woman's on her way out the door, then like doesn't go out. And then I'm like, well, why didn't she just keep going? And I was like, okay, well, I get it. If you're just so shocked and traumatized by seeing what's in front of you, you wouldn't go out. But the movie didn't exactly handle it like that. I don't know. I'm kind of just like really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. But I just, that's such a hard line. And some things like... Like uh, the flashback scene when uh, I, I liked this one when um, when uh, what's his name the cop is shooting at yeah when he's shooting at Michael Myers escaping and like we see how much his hand is shaking from it having just shot his friend we get when he goes over like how just that timing worked out felt right of him like missing shooting and missing those two shots at Michael Myers right. like that's fun kind of frustrating but I don't know I just have to see it again but I feel like there might have been a couple kills where I'm just like just. You you know, like what that one person did in the car where like w- was great. It's like, yes, just get out of the car. Just like run. You know, it's like doing it's when you're projecting yourself as if you'd be that much calmer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and could rationally think. But I don't know. I've seen it again. But I feel like there are a couple moments that might have been bordering on not as fun, frustrating with how the characters mm-hmm. were acting in the moment. We'll see. Yep. But no, it's paid. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally overrides. Uh, still, it's overridden by all that did work. And this is seriously, this is one of the best movies that we've watched in our our batch of one hundred plus here. You know, um, meaning if looking at the first hundred episodes as one grouping, and now this next hundred as the next batch. Like this is really wowed by this film. 
Yeah, I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, should we wrap up a bit more and see if we have any things of note? Yeah. All right, here we go. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. All right, Ryan, did you hear? (laughs) I almost, there's a part of me that doesn't even want to mention this because I think mentioning it is adding to the problem. (laughs) Okay. But I'll do it anyway because that's what we're doing. There was a petition <laughs> that someone created because that they asked that the opening sequence of the firemen getting killed be removed from the movie because it's offensive to firefighters. Was that like, was I borderline saying firefighters are incompetent? No, I'm no, not at all. I, I'm, I'm only speaking to what I would consider uh, a mentality of taking things too far in that if <laughs> the idea that you want to petition to have things removed from a movie because they ruffled your personal feathers is so crazy to me that I, I like, I can't even comprehend why. I mean, I'm doing it by doing this, by talking about it, but like why it even got press coverage. Yeah. Like the world we live in now will cover that kind of absurd, you know, reaction to a movie. I just, again, like love these thought exercises. I don't want to actually really maybe do it, but just like if the, these people starting the petition, I'd be like, okay, cool. Here, you you write or rewrite the script and <laughs> right. be sure no one's could be offended by anyone getting killed in this. Have at it. Would, would it just be Michael Myers like sitting Playing there? the guitar. <laughs> what would, just I don't know. Mike, Michael, Michael sitting on a log. Yeah, I mean, I I always feel in a weird place, you know, being it's the so privileged ridiculous. person I am, you know, to bring up stuff like this. But uh, that is, I will say that is noteworthy, though. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, I don't know where else to put film. it. There was another petition in response to this petition, and I forget what it said, but it basically said a petition to say that this other petition is stupid or something like that. And it got more signatures than the original. <laughs> the petition, this, this petition is <laughs> stupid. Um, no, I mean, that ties, I mean, why, God, it's, a, it's why if you think that you just signed up for the wrong movie, I think. It's actually, there's it a cool um, interview with Jamie Lee Curtis on Deadline here. But, you know, they talked about, they use this word too, but the brutality uh, in these films, you know, touching on that. And I like, what Jamie Lee Curtis said on that people are going to lose their minds. This movie is beyond brutal. It doesn't push the envelope. It doesn't shred the envelope. The envelope doesn't even exist. (laughs) It's pulverized it. It's graphic in a way these movies have not been. And it's graphic and brutal in that way, because the world right now is graphic and fucking brutal. Quote Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, yeah, so I mean, looking at it from that angle, are you then going to say, "Oh, but we can't kill firefighters"? Like, though, this movie's uh, is it, the envelope does not exist. 
And I think in horror, that's where uh, that's where we go for that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you you're allowed to not spend your money on a thing. You like go for it. Yeah. Which I do with a lot of things. That's I think what you can immediately I, do in your life is man. I have a friend who we we were out after our we had a little screening and. We went across the street to a, a, some random bar and we walked in and sat down. And when when the waitress came by to to see what we wanted, just drinks wise or whatever, sitting at a table, my friend was like, I'm not going to spend my money here. Like, I, there's just something about this place. I'm really particular about like where I actually put my money into like my enjoyment of my life and this place the vibe is not right for me and so she just was like I'm good didn't order anything and like they went somewhere else and I'm like all right like I respect that Mm -hmm. like (laughs) if if you're not feeling it you don't have to participate you can leave like me and Ralph's (laughs) (laughs) Like every time you go to the grocery store. <laughs> well, I don't. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just like this idea that you are somehow like it's like the world is holding a gun to your head to participate in things. You you don't have to participate, guys. It's okay. I the one of the greatest moments in my life was this this like euphoric realization that when I was out and about, like in a social setting. And I started to not feel like I wanted to continue to participate. I could leave. And I remember like the moment I had that realization, I was probably like, oh, I don't know, in my late 20s or something like that. And I just was like, oh, I could I could just turn around and walk out the door and go home at any time. Like I have permission. I'm giving myself permission to do that. And when I started doing that, it's not like it happens very often, but I used to do the other thing where I felt like I had to stick around because I had to like be there and participate and it would be somehow rude or in, you know, uh, just, I don't know what the word would be. It would be like insensitive or something to just be like, yeah, I'm out of here because it's, you know, I'd be disappointing other people. Like, fuck off. Live your life. You don't have, you can do whatever you want. Just don't be an asshole. Tim, listeners, I haven't been to a Trader Joe's in years. (laughs) For good reason. (laughs) No, all the love to them. It was just time we parted ways, apparently. Of no, no outward uh, intention by me. It just, you know, wasn't, wasn't meant to be anymore, apparently. Yeah. So well on Halloween kills Tim. The only other thing, the only other thing I had is I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, like I think I said it earlier, maybe when we started these, like I I want to say now, like in in David Gordon Green, like we have faith just because of how much I thought he killed Halloween kills, you know. But I was kind of complaining about like, oh God, but this these are slasher movies which makes like do they really have to do three new exorcists if that's his next you know mm. 45 years later you know whatever sequel but i don't know i'm i'm warming up to it a bit if as soon as i started looking at and this is what halloween kills allowed me to do 
But looking at like these sort of planned trilogies, let's say in this example, as something between a movie and a limited series event, let's say mm. like a, like Queen's Gambit, whatever, like it, I don't know, looking at it in terms of that, I feel like I can get on board. Like what we we're talking about with this as an isolated trilogy, this is the fun in the game's one you know we're gonna have this the first act is the first confrontation michael myers and laurie then we're gonna you know i don't know because i always push back against that for a movie when it's something like i don't know just when it's when it's not done well and it's kind of like it feels like they're holding back on the stakes or something like that or there's kind of a, a presumption that isn't working out of that they can just keep making you know any more of whatever franchise and it's all good and fine but I don't know when it's it is approached in this way. This, I don't know. It's just the sort of interesting way I thought right now where the the end. I mean, the medium is the same, but the end uh, length. I don't know delivery package. What you'd call it? Those are just starting to blend and blur more and more in today's uh, media landscape. And yeah, so I don't know. Just sort of re- just sort of recognizing and wrapping my head around that is interesting. This movie allowed me to do to be like, okay, yeah, this is between a movie and a Netflix thing. It's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, every attempt at doing a thing is, is going to have a different outcome. Like this is just a testament to these filmmakers uh, succeeding at being able to put out their vision of a thing that they wanted to do. And you know, that there's a lot wrapped up in that, whether, you know, the studio just said, do your thing and and like let them go and, and allowed them to do what they wanted. Um, or I don't know the circumstances or the studio got in there and was like, here's how we can improve on this. And they happened to land correctly so far, I think. And it seems like you think and a lot of other people do and a lot of pe- other people don't. But like. There's a market for it. People want this. It's making a lot of movie, a lot of money. A lot of people are going to see it. So great. Like it worked. You know what didn't work? Fantastic Beasts. Oh, well. Like sometimes it doesn't land. Um, Part of a huge franchise and it just did. It just didn't didn't land right. Oh, well, that's okay. Some people like it, but like critically and sort of, you know, financially speaking, it didn't really do what they wanted. Oh, well. Yeah. It's interesting when, how did, like how, what makes this, these, these films work, these new Halloween films work. It's when it's in conversations, it's in conversation with itself as a franchise in a way, you know, and, um, and like all we talked about with this film, like that's its place in our world, which to kind of, I don't know, wrap up. I just thought it was interesting. Um, you said you saw the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. I just think that was a really good, just kind of like, um, just just comparison. Uh, 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 <laughs> very different films, but I think they're really apt comparisons to make to each other, or to just to see how they're doing the same thing when we're talking about um, these iconographic characters that came to be in a time in a world when we when violence on screen wasn't something we like winced at you know when we could 
get involved in a James Bond movie like killing the bad guys and just sort of only see them as the bad guys. You know, like in this film, you know, killing these slasher the characters. They're the, he's the bad guy. But so that was, yeah, I don't know, just point where you see that too in the new James Bond movie. Super interesting in conversation with just itself of like, what is James Bond anymore? Does it have to completely change? How do we kind of like, oh, and I think what made me think of all this too, how the new James Bond is unique among the James Bonds of uh, the Daniel Craig era has continuity to them like a mini series. Right. So I just think that was another interesting example in that sense of how that's uh, another in vogue thing right now, but allows for interesting uh, contemporary deconstruction of if and how characters uh brought up in an age where violence is normalized uh do they yeah do they still have their place if and how they do it's interesting yes sir great well last little fun thing of note we see the masks from halloween 3 season of the witch making a cameo in this film which will segue perfectly to that is what we are going to wrap up our halloween october special with Another Halloween film just set at Halloween 3 season of The Witch. So looking forward to that. Very different from That's right. <laughs> from we've done one. our we've done our big <laughs> iconic bad guy 3 movies and now we're going to move into this other realm of whatever is going on in that. Which is just of The Witch. A whole nother option for how to do a third movie. Don't even <laughs> just That's right. something completely different. Total Great. deviation. <laughs> well, and last Bit of news if you made it this far on the dismembering horror front. Just keep you posted where, where uh, and I guess the world of our world. We're very excited to be joining a podcast network for the first time, a newly minted podcast network called Connected. So with that, uh, we hope to grow and expand our family here to new and great places. I know we will. Uh, And I guess I just wanted to say it because if you're a listener who's been with us and have made it thus far, we uh, thank you and and continue to appreciate you being here and are excited to have you on this journey, this new leg of our adventure as we grow and expand. Yeah, it's exciting. They they launched uh, as of the release of our episode here yesterday uh the 20th so go check out all the other um you know podcasts that they have and uh get into them because we're really excited it's going to be a good time we're gonna start trying to kind of broaden our horizons here and be a part of a bigger thing (laughs) yeah exactly well we'll tell you all more later and ongoing because we're excited about it all right well we could wind down even further then with our any recommendations, sorry, recommendations. Oh my, recommendations we have. Uh, you want to go ahead real quick here, Tim? Um, well, yeah, you know, on a lighter note, <laughs> I will recommend Dead, the Great Bit- British Bake Off <laughs> as, as a show to watch. Do they have a Halloween special you could recommend? I doubt it. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's just good light TV. Great. Every season is on Netflix, I believe. There's lots of seasons. It's pretty fun, you know, and I guess to connect it to Halloween kills, 
they do use those big knives to cut a lot of these cakes. So there you go. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm going to try to stay in theme here with the genres. Not that that's not okay. They're <laughs> knives, as you said. Yeah. But um, would you rather hear a recommendation that is a circa 2000s remake that felt like it was better than it had any right to be or a super recent uh, reboot that felt better than it had any right to be. Oh, I'm curious to know what the reboot is. Sorry. Okay. So the more recent one, yes. both reboots, I guess, remakes, reboots, whatever. Um, just cause I feel like I was going to watch it in life. You know, it was one of those movies that are like, Oh, I'm probably going to watch it in life. So I'll just get out of the way. And it's October. I watched, um, you know, I had watched the original, the craft for the first time, like earlier, maybe <laughs> okay. a year ago. Yeah. Like, great. So I was so curious, you know, it was free to stream now. So I watched The Craft Legacy, um, <laughs> which I just thought was going to be so terrible. It's the Blumhouse, whatever, whatever. Um, so the characters, they weren't nearly as iconic and memorable as the original. I'm sure, they're great people, whatever. The, the, the lead girl, she does, she does carry the weight of the film well. But just like as a movie and doing stuff with the story, it was totally fun. And you could argue in a story sense even better than the original Ooh. where like the original had the characters that this one didn't. But I'd say this one just, I don't know, it did a lot of the premise in a really fun way. Anyway, I wouldn't say it's, it's anything mind-blowing or anything like that. But uh, if you just, you know, like like the vibe of the craft and all that, you know, girls into witchcraft in high school taking things too far like is is i mean and who doesn't want to see that yeah so uh i can i can give it a solid recommendation of if you have any interest it's maybe not going to be as god-awful as i thought and i'll save that other one for next week the 2000 circle one <laughs> cool well uh in closing whether you find yourself at the Beginning, middle, or end of your trilogy. Thanks for listening. That's correct. And we will see you on Halloween next time. Good Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>